Welcome to Grazed in America podcast. I'm your host, August Horstman. Basically, how I've been starting these. I never know how to start them in person. Right. And so I just click on and then we just start talking. So. Well, I mean, it's the it's the natural way to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, just trying to figure all this stuff out, you know, where you got to like tell yeah, me about yourself. Is, and yeah, yeah. Well, I can, I, I, I like talking about myself enough, so. Okay. Um, yeah, so like if you want to jump in your name. You yeah, know, sure. What we so did. I'm uh, I'm Jason Meadows from just south of here, from uh, outside of Cuba, Missouri. So uh, from where we're sitting in the world as the crow flies, probably about 15 miles from here. Um, I grew up on my dad's cow calf operation. Still run it. Not it's not as big as it was one day. It's been broken up into you know among the sons. So uh, I got us. I got what was left of it basically Uh, my dad's still around but he's you know in pretty poor health so he doesn't do hardly really he doesn't do I shouldn't say hardly anything he doesn't do anything anymore um you know my dad actually owned Cuba Sale Barn for oh really yeah did you not know that I didn't know which barn I yeah I think somebody told me he owned a sale barn but I didn't know which. yeah he owned Cuba for he bought it well he he ran it for IPLA which was out of uh Peoria Illinois you know they were like a they had several sale mm-hmm. barns, and then IPLA went out of business sometime in the, the late 70s, early 80s. So mm-hmm. my dad just started operating the barn independently. Uh, How long did he do that? 20-plus years. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, for a long time. Like, the Rootses have it now. Yeah. They bought it from my dad. And when do you know? 1993. Is when he sold it? Yeah, 1993. So you grew up going to the sale barn? Yeah, kind of. Like, I never really got to work there because I was, like, eight uh-huh. when he sold it, I guess. Or whatnot, I guess, a little. I mean, so I was there. Like, I was there a lot, like, old enough to remember falling asleep whenever the sale was still going on type okay. of deal. Like, even the day if I go to a sale barn mm-hmm. and auctioneers calling, you know. Yeah. I get a little, a little, a little hazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get a little sleepy. And I That's think it's funny. just, like, trained behavior, you know, classical conditioning. So, but yeah. uh yeah, I you know, but like growing up, I was never I was never involved in it really that uh-huh. much. I mean, I helped every summer. Yeah. Like that was it. Like I, I never wanted to learn or do anything. What about your brothers? Are they younger than you or no, they they're older? older? I'm the baby. So okay. my parents are I was when I was born, my dad was forty seven years old, my mom was forty three. Okay. So I'm the baby by my oldest brother's twenty five years older than me. Okay. And my youngest brother's 13 years older than me. So, like... Okay, yeah, yeah that's kind of the difference between myself and my youngest brother. Oh, wow. Okay, so you get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really kind yeah. of weird dynamic. Yeah, so. it's, it's different. I mean, he... Uh, like, now he's, you know, in eighth grade. So, you know, wow. it's easier for us to have conversations now. Sure. Like, versus, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. You know. 
So my, you're probably a better brother than my brother was. He was always a bully to me. Uh Like, you know, (laughs) so he's just a bully anyway, but that's kind of the way it was. But, uh, you know, but no, it was, uh, it was a really interesting way to grow up. But, you know, my dad sold the sale barn. Like I said, I was like 10 years old and Mm -hmm. he got into land development then. He built a lot of subdivisions and stuff around close to... Around Cuba. Yeah, around Cuba. You know, there's some subdivisions just north of Cuba and those were all um, built on 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 range ground that we... I remember either putting up hay or having cows in those fields where there's there's subdivisions now. So so. that was kind of like, was that his retirement? More more or less, yeah. It really was. I mean... Sell land. Sell land. It was all... It was really high-valued land. You know, because it was right there close to town. And... Yeah, that's highway. Highway, right? Exactly. Cuba's a really interesting place because it can be almost like a bedroom community for St. Louis because Mm -hmm. we're right on Interstate 44, whereas, you know, Owensville, this part, it's... You got to get to get off the interstate a little bit, and but Cuba, people can live in Cuba and still work in St. Louis, and I guess probably people in Owensville do too. But yeah, I guess they just run down fifty. Fifty, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's what my dad did after he sold the sale barn and worked out really well for him. Um, you know, it it was before like the big crash of '08 when mm-hmm. he did all of it, and uh, you know, it was a it was a good deal for him. But uh, I, like I said, I never really had any plans to to come here and come back. I mean, I had plans to come back, but I don't, I to don't, the farm to to do farming. To no, not to farm. I had no plans whatsoever to do that. Really? Yeah. Like when I left, I thought I was, I, and I say I had plans to come back. I'm not sure that was the case either. Yeah, like I, I, I don't think I even really knew what I was going to do, but I, I left, for, uh, I graduated high school in 2002. Uh-huh. Um, I left for, I went to St. Louis College of Pharmacy. Okay. So I'm a pharmacist. I work full time yep. as a pharmacist. Um, I came back. So when I was in, I guess my second year of school, mm-hmm. I, I got a first time farmer's loan from USDA. Okay. And bought my first set of cows because, man, when I moved to St. Louis, it was like, it was like culture shock, mm-hmm. right? Like, I didn't know what I missed at home. Yeah. You know, you don't. Like, and I was fortunate enough. My, uh, you know, I, I had no idea what it was like to not live rurally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we, we were 10 miles from town, mm-hmm. you know, so I had no idea what to, what it was like to live like that. So, um, I wanted to come home back home pretty quick. I came home every weekend and that's when I really started getting involved in dad's operation. Okay. That's, that's where like the, like there's like something went off in me. Like, yeah, just the leaving, pro- the leaving of the small town, the, the life going yeah. to the big city. I had to shell shocked, shell shocked, huge. Like I missed dinner for the first couple weeks because they ate. So like the cafeteria closed down at like six o'clock and mm-hmm. It's like, we never ate until it was dark outside, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, it was, um, it was really interesting to do, uh, to go live like that and to see, you know, how different you are from, from kids who grew up in the city. Yeah. I mean, you are like, I mean, you really are. And, um, it was interesting to kind of find that out. And, um, but you know, I made a lot of good friends. In fact, my best friend from college, uh, was another farm kid Mm -hmm. who kind of was in the same sort of situation. He was from Paris, Missouri, which is about due north of here, Uh up 19. And, uh, you know, he's, 
he grew up on a cow calf operation too. So he actually owns a pharmacy in Paris now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, which is really which is the route I thought I was going to go. Um, but uh, you know, long story short, I, I come back to where I was talking about. I got a my first set of cows I bought with the uh, after that first year of being with my dad and and working for him through college. Um, I. I bought a 70 set of 70 cows with the first time mm-hmm. farmers. I found a piece of land to 180 acres. Um, actually not far from here. It was right on, uh, right on Brush Creek. Do you know, do you know what Brush Creek? I know about, like, I don't know that area per se. I yeah. know where Brush Creek yeah, is I mean, it, on it, 19. It, yeah, it was right. It was just, I guess, I don't know. I can't remember exact, probably west of 19 is okay. where I was. And, uh, about 180 acres, and I I ran that I ran my cows through college on that because I lived close enough to where I would come home on the weekends and yep. and, and I'd help my dad. My dad would take care of stuff during the week, and I would do mm-hmm. whatever on school and on breaks. But you know, it was that first year that I really wanted. I understood that I wanted. That's I wanted to be back involved in it. Yeah, the um I was in a similar situation where I got. Bought a, my first set of cows when I was, uh, I guess, halfway through my first year at Mizzou. Mm. So then from then on, I only I think out of my whole college career, I think I stayed one weekend. Yeah. Bored out of my gourd. Yeah. You know, right. ever since, you know, then I came home pretty much every other every weekend to take care of my cows and stuff like that. Did you get people make fun of you for it? Yeah. I, I mean, oh. I never even went to a football game. So Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. They were probably pretty good when you were there too, weren't they? Or what? You don't know. I don't. I love that. I love it. You don't even know. That's no, awesome. that was. I think that was the first year they were in the SEC. Don't oh, quote okay. me on that. Okay. That was so 2012, like, 2013. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, I guess, a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, I no I, I've been a Mizzou football fan my whole life. So, okay. like, I'm, I mean, for better or worse, you know. But, but yeah, that was so interesting. That's. That's interesting. So you're about you're about ten years younger than me, though. Okay. So are you twenty nine, thirty? Um, twenty. Yeah, I'll be twenty nine in March. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I just turned thirty nine this week. So okay. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Sounds good. So, um, got your first set of cows. Went to school. Graduated. What What happened then? Yeah. So I graduated in two thousand eight. Pharmacy school is a six year program. Uh got a job. I was actually had a plan on work. My brother-in-law owned a pharmacy in Cuba. So that's why I got into pharmacy in the first place. My plan was always to go back and work for him. Um, I actually had a girlfriend through college and we got married in my last year of college. We also got divorced in my last year of college as well. It was a, it was a very turbulent deal. Like Uh it is just, it was a mess, such a mess. Um, but I was, it was so much stress for me. Um, on top of pharmacy school. On top of pharmacy school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so pharmacy school is hard enough. Right? Yeah. You know, it was hard enough to, to deal with that and um and then deal with living in the city when you didn't want to be and yep. and then cows. To, cows, right? Like and then oh, you know, you're you're gonna get married and then you're gonna get divorced in a few months. So like yeah, the, the shit was too easy, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but anyway, I, uh, I I graduated pharmacy school, came back and started. I got a job at the ho- local hospital. They offered me a job, and that was when I was going through the divorce. And I was like, you know what? My life's already thrown off track. Like, let's throw it off track some more. And so, the hospital in? Rolla. Rolla. Yeah, okay. I was on rotation there in school. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I decided to, uh, I decided to go get a job there because I just, it, it was, it was new, it was fresh, yeah. you know, and it was at Zares where I, and it turned out to be like the best decision I ever made because that's where I met my wife, yeah. you know, or my second, the, yeah. the real wife, you uh-huh. know, the, the one that's still my wife today, <laughs> um, you know, and that was, she was a nurse, Carrie was her name, still is, still is her name, um, she's a nurse, she was a nurse, and uh, you know, with, we, we met there, and we, about 18 months later, we got married, and you know, she had, Levi was, two, she, he was from a previous marriage of hers, and he was two, I think, when we started dating, and mm-hmm. he's getting ready to turn 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, it's been, it's been quite, uh, it's been, that was 16 years ago. Yeah. You know? So, it's been quite a, quite a deal for us. So yeah. We've really, uh, uh, it's been, it's been fun, and she didn't grow up in agriculture whatsoever. So, it, this is totally That's new all to new her. to the farm life. And so while you were going, working at the hospital, when you got married, were you still living on the farm in Cuba? Yeah. So, okay. I, when I, I, I lived in St. Louis until my f- middle part of my sixth year. So my last year, and okay. that's when I moved back home because I had more like rotations and stuff at home. Okay. And that's, um, I moved to where I live now. Okay. That was going to be my house with my first wife. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was the plan all along, you know. And uh, but so I stayed there and um, still there today. It's just, um, there's 40 acres that separate it mm-hmm. from where my parents live. Okay. So, so where I grew up and where this place, I mean, it's, it takes 10 minutes to get there. As you go around, around the road. Yeah. But... But it's, uh, but I mean, it's, and it's, it actually, I'm the third one in my family to live in the house. Okay. So my brother started there when my dad bought the farm in the eighties. Mm-hmm. That's where they, um, that's where he lived. And then my, he moved out and then my sister and her husband and four kids, they, oh, no. all those four kids grew up there. So oh, they're wow. my, they're my nieces and nephews. And then they moved out. Um, I can't remember for, there was people rented it for a few years and then I moved back in there in 2007. So during okay. the first part of my last, well, middle part of my last year of school. Okay. So that's, and that's where I live and that's where my, it's about seven, that place there is about 790 acres all in one fence, 40 acres, and then another about 600 on the other side of the fence. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So it's. 40 acres shy of being like 12, 1300 acres of all conti- of continuous. Con- yeah. Yeah. Is that Which the is, goal? Yeah. So it's woods. So like, yeah, I would love it, but it's one of those things where it's a, it's a family from St. Louis mm-hmm. who uses it primarily for their deer hunting ground. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's any way to ever wiggle that away from them. Yeah. But I mean, I would love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if that's a long-term goal, yeah, I would absolutely make it. So, yeah. Well, uh, so what kind of cows, you know, was it cow calf and what'd you start with? Is that kind of what you were still running? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it started out cow calf, um, you know, cause that's what my dad was. We were never a backgrounder. My dad was never, a uh, owning a sale barn. I think that was the, that was the way he, he, I think he just liked cows. Mm-hmm. You know, he liked cows. He liked cows who had calves, yeah. um, I remember my dad honestly never even brought a bread cow 
home from the barn. He always brought pears home. Like really, yeah. Back when you could, I I I don't. That's just not as common anymore to even sell them as pears. I don't think. It seems mm. that way anyway. Yeah. Um. And what? And so he would buy pears. Uh, I guess because there was option there. There was option, and he have a calf. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he would buy three and ones if he could, but you know, most part those didn't. Those didn't sell. You know, a lot of times they they do the 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 smart marketing thing and split them. Um, but uh, that seems to be, and that's what we tried to do. We Mm -hmm. tried to buy pairs. Um, this was in two thousand four. So the calf market, the cow market was really starting to amp up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we were going, we went from selling five hundred pound, $500 calves to $700 calves in a matter of months, mm-hmm. you know? So it was a really an opportune time for me to get in the cattle industry. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, that's, I, I rented that farm and then slowly I took over my, where my I live now. I mean, yep. it was always my dad's place, my dad's cows. It was my dad got iller. I took took over and mm-hmm. took care of it, and that's kind of. And then I lost that farm, um, lost the rent on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, a football player from the St. Louis Rams. Oh, Will Witherspoon. Yeah. So he, that that's the farm. I've been to that farm. Not that one. So oh, okay. he, not the one where he actually, so he was, he had planned on running cows on that, but didn't, but that was supposed to be what happened. It's, okay. it was a weird thing. I don't know exactly what happened, but that was, it was supposed to be his. Um, I don't know if he was going to buy, I don't know what happened, but, um, but yeah, that's where I, I rented that from all through college for six, seven years. Cause I was still, Carrie was the First day I had all of my cows home was when Carrie had our had our twins. Okay, it tw- that was twelve years ago. Okay, so um, I I just remember like those two things like kind of I remember tr- uh, like I got to get all my cows home before Carrie has these twins. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and we did we got all of them home and um, you know she got Carrie got pregnant with our twins. Uh, so I went from a bachelor to married with three kids in a matter of 13 months. Holy cow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like I had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. You know, and uh, that was tough because, you know, sh- that like I'm I'm the baby mm-hmm. of the family. So I'm sp- spoiled rotten, you yeah. know. So like I had so much to learn, like how to be a man, how to be a dad. Yeah. Um, and I had to learn pretty dang quick. Yeah, 13 months. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, like, I, I just remember, like, I just remember, like, the whole cow thing really going by the wayside for a while. Yeah. You so, know, which so, it should have, you know. Like, yeah. So those were just turned out cows. Turned out cows. You know, Gathers. they might have got checked once a week. Yeah. You know. Old the calves. Bulls out all the time. Yep. Yep. Bulls out all the time. Um at that time, we were running black limousine bulls. I grew up running Charlotte bulls with my dad, and on Charlotte cows or yeah, Charlotte cows cow. on Charlotte bulls. You want to and you want to talk about cabin problems? We had cabin problems all the time, and mean. And every time we'd work cows, we I remember we have this farm over in Phelps County, and every time we'd work that set of calves, it would. It'd be like the Wild West. I mean, somebody get hurt. Somebody get kicked in the face. You know, just yeah. like just, I think like those experiences of of what happened back then 
has really shaped me into the kind of cow herd that I want to have now. Like the kind of cow herd, like really like what I don't want to have. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? You what not to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, and it worked, it worked just fine for my dad because he wasn't the one getting hurt, you know, yeah, it was, the guy, it was his hired help, you know, getting hurt and, yeah. and stuff. But, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of those guys kind of brought it on themselves because yep. they just didn't have much stockmanship skill. And that seems to be the key. I mean, stockmanship is, I mean, we try to pride ourselves on stockmanship, selling something that, you know, is handled decently. That sure. can, you know, that, you know, we don't sell anything that's wild. Yeah. to somebody else sure we'll sell yeah. them to i don't know if you take anything over to like keith robertson i got a bull i'm taking in the morning yeah, so argo yeah so we sell you know all of our wild stuff goes through him and then they go just on the kill truck or whatever i've had one uh unloaded her she came out went across his scale and uh flew up onto the semi and and she was you know gone, gone. <laughs> That's Good the riddance. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> it was actually a, a South Pole, and she I'd been trying to catch her for three years. Oh, gosh. Uh, yep. So so uh, that's, that's a funny story that you say that because whenever we were getting our first – when I was getting that set of cows that I had over on um, that other farm trying to get them, we had three. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I mean, I want to tell you want to talk about wild. This cow, we always called her a Jersey cross, but I don't think she really was. <laughs> I that's just what dad would call her. She was and she, you know, she was funny because she'd come out and she'd eat a range cube out of your hand. Mm-hmm. But when we tried to get her up, it was and if she had a calf, you just didn't even want to bother. But she we were we had got on a four wheel, and this was bef- way before I was probably as good of a stock, and I'm I'm not. I, I'm I'm a long ways from being a great stockman, yep. you know, but I'm I'm making progress towards that. But this was back before I even knew what the word stockmanship meant. I was, you know, I was 24 yep. years old. Um, I just didn't know. Uh, and I just remember we were getting them up. We were behind them on the four-wheeler, probably yelling at them, screaming. She, she was running and about, she was running that way, and she, about 50 feet, she turned around and she took off from me and she hit the front of my four-wheeler and lifted up broke her horns <laughs> and finally we had there were some guys that we hired some cow catchers you know yeah. some, i mean real cowboys you know yeah and they had them got them roped them and drug them into the lot i mean you want to talk about it. they looked so bad when they took them and i think what that cow she, she brought five cents at the same <laughs> So, you know, but so, yeah, I've had, I've had experience with cows that don't want to be caught. Yeah, it, it can happen. I mean, as we start trading some more cows, yeah. we see, it. we see some of sure. it. Sure. But they make some good burger of course or the something. Best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or we just move them on down the road. Um, One thing kind of uh, that uh, I was wanting to talk with you about, I mean, you have a podcast. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like on top of so like let's go transition into like what you're doing now your cow herd all right yeah all that kind of stuff because i mean you've got four kids four kids now, right? four kids pharmacy yeah. job yeah uh, podcast yep and yep. you also still have your cow herd still have cow herd my and wife runs the yoga studio yeah your wife has her business so yep. like and 
you also uh, you send out email, right? And you're yeah, starting got an email YouTube. list. YouTube, start- <laughs> we're starting. We haven't got any videos up. Just it's just videos on the podcast right now. But you know, we're when we work our calves here in a couple of weeks and wean, we're gonna you know we're gonna put up together our first YouTube on that. So, but yeah, that all started out of a out of a kind of a a weird deal. Like I I just had this. I kind of ta- I kind of touched on it a little bit is like man is that city life really mm-hmm. broke me down like it was really hard on me I um yeah, I I had some pretty significant mental issues like just stress and anxiety and just overwhelm and you know f- just fear really and I I I masked a lot of it with with alcohol you know I was mm-hmm. I was probably on my way to being an alcoholic you know um and you know it's not easy to talk about but I mean now the more that I talk about it the easier it is for me yeah uh but like that's that's what it was and uh but I you know when I met my wife she made sure that wasn't going to be the case mm-hmm. you know she she made a pretty firm line in the sand that that it was either choose her or choose alcohol yeah and I chose wisely yeah um and so I uh but I but whenever I stopped drinking like all those problems were like just right there waiting for me right like the 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 stress the anxiety the Mm -hmm. um sometimes slip depression and uh I finally got on the road to recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I was a mess. Like I, I, I don't think anybody really would have known that, but like, you know, I struggled a lot by myself, like struggled a lot in silence. And, uh, I found, I found help. I found the help I needed. And, uh, whenever I got better and got on the road to recovery, I kind of felt like this obligation that I needed to do something for other people that, because I knew that there were people like, had to be people like me, right. Yeah. That, that struggle similarly and to a certain degree, you mm-hmm. know, like probably a lot more and some a lot less, but everybody I'm sure struggled at some point. Um, but anyway, I, 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 I wanted to, to reach out to people and, and help. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted, knew I wanted to do something. And, uh, it was through our mutual friend Clay Connery. I know mm-hmm. I I just started listening to the Working Cows podcast, probably six months or so before that. Uh, I, first time I really remember listening to him was about the time he had Alan Savory on. So um, what? Yeah. So, um, I was let's see podcasting. I kind of started that while I was working for an Angus operation over around Sullivan. That would have been like 2014. Okay. Does that sound right? Me? No, that's when I started oh. uh, listening. So, do you know when podcasting started or when he... Do you remember like year so time-wise? Clay's about two years... No. Clay's 100 episodes ahead of me. So... Which would be roughly about two, two years. years, yeah. So he's a, he's always a hundred episodes ahead of me. So and yours is 2019. 2019 so is twenty nineteen. Twenty when you started. So yeah, this so is twenty seventeen. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No, that's tracking because I worked at the government. Mm-hmm. Then that was sixteen. Okay. So that's tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yeah, that's. Uh, I'd been listening to him. I was like, hey man, this is kind of here's what my kind of stick for a podcast I want to do I don't mm-hmm. I have no idea how to do it yeah you know and uh he 
he walked me through everything he did. He, you know, I was telling you, he said, you know, here's the, here's the one thing you need. And that was the, mm-hmm. that was the, at the time, it's not that cheap now, but it was a $69, um, ATR 2100 mic. Oh yeah. It just sits on like a little stand. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, that's still three years later. That's still the mic I have. I have it, you know, I have it. The only thing I bought, I bought a few things here and there, some different mic stands and stuff. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that same mic I still use. I bought a new laptop that I record on and stuff, Um, which I, that's funny. Like we're sitting here and you've got your Rodecaster Pro and, uh, you know, just a little plug for you, you know, Um, (laughs) but I see no laptop, but I do see you, 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 you plugged in a, a, like a, do you have a hard drive there? I plugged what? in a little chip. I hope I'm doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> I've recorded a few of them, but I haven't edited them, so I guess we'll find we'll out. We'll find out, yeah. Oh, no, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're doing uh, it right. But, yeah, it's supposed to be like a plug-and-play type deal. I mean, I've got pre-recorded sounds and stuff that, okay. like, I take it home and I can add sounds or whatever okay. to it. Okay. But, yeah, so then I just plug it in and... Then I download the files gotcha. through a SD card on ah, my okay, computer. Okay, all right. Yeah, so it's so funny. I've been podca- podcasting for three years. This mm-hmm. is the first time I've had a sit-down, real in-person podcast. So this is this is cool. Um, Yeah, I think there's something to the conversation, right? Oh, and, I totally agree. And the feedback. I've done a few on through Zoom, and then I did the one with Ranching Reboot. You know, and that ju- just the feel and the personal touches and stuff just something you can really get into a conversation I oh think. i totally agree like this is the way to go like i i love this setup you know again i'm i might be too cheap yet to <laughs> to go for it but uh i uh I, I i definitely see the value in it because it's 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 amazing to sit around just and have a real recorded conversation yeah i look at it as maybe a write-off or something like that oh, of course. continuing yeah. education continuing education of course yeah <laughs> i like something it something like that um but so you started your podcast 2019 yep you knew the idea was going to be mental health focused yep. Yep. um was part of that because, I mean, I guess while you're talking about mental health, I mean, you're also growing mentally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're three years in now. I mean, what what have you learned? I mean, you know, and are, it's funny. The things that I apply on my operation are a lot of, like, really getting to know myself, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's really important to me? What's what's important to me in life? And that's spending more time with my family. That's spending time, mo- you know, uh, being a good husband, being a good father, um, being good to my community. And, like, how can I make my, how can I make my, far- like, my, my pharmacy life, obviously, I've, I already had that in the bag. You know, my job's really excellent yep. to allow me to, to do the things that I do. Um, how did I, how is it my, my, my cattle operation? How's that serving me? Yeah. And it's, it wasn't like, I was just one of those people who's like, 
you know, you got to stress about everything. You got to do things a certain way or you're not good enough, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of stress that I actually had came from that. So it was really interesting when I started changing my mindset around things. And I tell you, the time I, I, I changed is the first time I met Burke Tykert in person. Mm -hmm. And I, I reached out to him via email after reading him in Beef Magazine. And I was like, I'd love to talk to you sometime, you know? And, you know, I, I meant a phone call. Yeah. But, He's like, well, I'm going to be, where are you at? You're in Missouri? Well, I'm going to be in Mountain Grove in a couple of weeks. Let's, let's plan on meeting up. I said, sure. <laughs> you know, so we did. I drove down to the, uh, how did you? Uh, I think it's Demarath. Demarath. I, I always yep. pronounce their name wrong. Demarath 55 Cattle Co. Okay. Okay. And uh, they're like between Houston and Mountain Grove. And uh, I sat down and they were cabin. It was fall. Mm -hmm. They were fall cabin at the time. And that was the first time, that was the first time I ever saw a roll of poly wire. No, really? Uh, first time. I didn't even know what it was. That was 20, probably fall of 2017. Okay. That was, I'm guessing, around that area is where I was, when it was. Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. Um, I, I had never seen, I like, in all this, all this electric fans, like, well, electric fans, that's so it's only for people that have, like, three goats and horses, you yeah. know? That's what I thought. Yeah. And, uh but like I, that night, my mind totally changed. Like mm -hmm. I sat there and I remember the notebook and I just wrote all these things down. That's the first time I heard the name Alan Savory. That's the first time I heard uh, the name uh, Alan Williams. Mm -hmm. You know, all these things that are commonplace for me, people to talk to about now. Yeah. Uh, those the first, that was really the eye-opening thing. And I really think that was the time I really changed my eyes and to fo on what was the actual focus. And the actual focus is how, is how I was serving the cow herd instead of the vice versa. Yeah, instead of the cow. You were working for the, to support your cow herd. Yeah, instead of. take care of them and whatever. Yeah, instead of the other way around. Yeah. Just totally opposite of mm -hmm. how it should be. And uh, my first guest on my podcast was a guy by the name of Val Farmer. And he was a guy who, he's a clinical, he's, he's retired now. He's a clinical psychologist whose specialty was rural medicine. That's mm -hmm. not a common thing, I don't think. I think no. it's becoming more common. Uh, but he, he said to me one time, we've got to, in so many people treat their farms or ranches like their, their mistresses when they should be treating them like they're babies. So, like, a baby is, like, at certain points, you take care of them. You give them the the attention that they need. But sometimes mm -hmm. they need to be able to self-soothe and take care of themselves until they grow and grow. And one day they can kind of are self-sustaining and take care of themselves. A mistress is always taking time away from what's important to you. You know, a mistress obviously is taking time away from your family, away from your wife, away from your kids, you know, and it's a, it's a toxic type of relationship. Yeah. They said, you know, whenever you make that switch is when you start living a better life. And that's boom. Like that was a huge breakthrough for me. Like, yeah. To understand. Just mind blown. It's just mind blown. And like, ever since I heard him say that, I wanted to switch things. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. Like, mm -hmm. I started working with Mother Nature as much as possible instead of against. That's when I started having a calving season. Yep. Pulling bulls and, uh, you know, having calves. I remember, I remember Clay telling me one time, 
you know, look at when the deer, the deer fawn around Mm -hmm. you, try to, try to emulate that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I was like, well, what about the smaller weaning weights at, in, in the fall? I'm like, like the one dead calf doesn't, you know, if you have, if you have one calf die, you've, you've, you've for sacrifice that those weaning weights. Yeah. Or or what about, uh, well, my bulls or cows aren't going to breed in the summer. You yeah. probably got the wrong I got genetics. the wrong thing for your what you got going. Yeah. You know, this year I um am very proud of the breed up that we've had on low input for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think we had like I've got a smaller herd. Um but I had like I'm wanting to say three cows slipping mm-hmm. out of season and so I've got them somewhere else grazing right now. I'm gonna sell them as third periods in the spring mm-hmm. when Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's, it's the right. Mar- I mean, I think it is all signs point to that. You yeah. Know? It's trending that way. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And pretty much everybody in the sale barn, of course, you know, they have a, they have a dime to make too. Right. And they, yeah. um, but I mean, everybody's got the same opinion and, and you know, the, if the cattle numbers are doing what they say that they're doing, yeah, which is declining, declining. Yeah. I mean, our cow herd is the lowest it's been in 10 years. I think that's the right move. Yeah. You know, no, if I've I, learned anything. Yeah, to take that open cow. If you got the feed, right? Sure, and I do. If you I've got, got the grass. feed, this is the winner to, yep. to add value. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and a lot of times, so most winners, I actually, so to kind of to get back to where I'm, what has changed, uh, I started keeping all my own heifers. Yep. Instead of buying sale barn cows like I was kind of mm-hmm. taught and trained to do because I thought that was the only way yeah. because that's what your dad does and your daily you that really if you never had your own paradigm challenged why would you think any differently yeah. so um again that was the night that Burke really kind of t- got that change in me thinking about you know what you should do and he said if you can do a low input heifer retention program yeah then that's the way to go. Otherwise, you buy old bread or not old, you know, yeah, bred cows at a you know somebody else's bred cows at a discount, um, mm-hmm. you know. And if you can if you can add value to those cows without putting much overhead in them, yep. which I found out I could do, yeah, that was that was the best route for me, and and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That you know, nobody really talks about that side of it. You need this pen? No, no, I'm good. good. Um, yep. Uh, nobody really talks about the, you know, we talk about the environmental and we talk about the health aspects of sustainability and regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. But like the human side and the enjoyability side of it, mm-hmm. I get so much more enjoyability out of it now. And like, you want to talk about making something sustainable. That's to me, if you enjoy doing it more, that's the ultimate sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've really changed, like if you see what the other side's like and mm-hmm. like you're always chasing these numbers and always chasing, not even chasing numbers, but chasing a certain kind of look as you probably have found out that mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what, if your calves wean 400 pounds or 700 pounds, if you make money. No. But you don't get to brag about the 400 pound, Cavs at the coffee shop. You nope. know what I mean? No. Nope. So, and everybody doesn't want to talk about money. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting paradigm shift. And I still catch myself in it from time to time. And, uh, but I, 
I'm really realizing what's really important and how those cows serve me is what's most important. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you bring up the coffee shop, how the cows serve you working with nature, doing opposite of what your dad does, you Mm -hmm. know, speaking. Um, It seems like that could or would, I mean, I know at certain degrees kind of, thinking outside of the box. I mean, that can be like, I struggle with that mentally, right? Because up until recently, it was like you were all alone. Yeah. Per se. Sure. Right. There's community on Facebook, but it's not like my neighbor down the road is thinking the same way. (laughs) Yeah. You, especially when you got a guy, you know, I mean, not to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, all, I mean, it's not just your neighbor, but all driving along to get here. Yeah. It's very interesting to see how things change as soon as I hit your gate. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel the same way because I have a neighbor who, and I love him. He's a great businessman. Um, and I think he's doing it the old way, but still, he still has some sort of competitive advantage. I'm not sure what it is, mm-hmm. but where, you know, he... Uh, I think he he's just a, has really good relationships with people um, that he's able to kind of cash flow some of these things and uh, but anyway he you know he bush hogs all his ground mm-hmm. he uh, you know he still I still see a buggy of of um, fertilizer every spring mm-hmm. multiple buggies of fertilizer yep. every spring um, that's hard to. Yeah, you feel like you should be, you you know, like yeah. there's always this thing like, you know, everybody else is doing it, you know, so you're always trying to fight that, right? It's hard. And you get into, but then you have these little wins, right, where they're out there and they're freezing their ass off with calv- calves in the middle calves, of February. Three calves in their truck, yeah. in their truck and five in their bathroom, you know, like, yeah. and I'm like. And then so there, you chalk that up as a win for you when you're calving in the spring or spring of the year or late spring. But then there's those times. or But then majority of the time it seems like you're almost alone. And yeah. it seems like it can, you know, it, I know it, at, at the when I was first starting out, right, it weighed on me a lot more than now. Same. Yeah, like it did me too. Like, and – you know, and, and don't get me wrong, like, I still, there's still things that I do that I need to change, um, but I, uh, I do, I, I do so, I'm, I'm, I feel so much, like, more at peace with myself, with like, what we do in, in cattle mm-hmm. than I've ever have in my life, um, because even the things that I want to change, I know that I can. Mm-hmm. If I if I really want to, mm-hmm. like if I really want to make a change and like totally go a certain way, I can. Yeah, and I know I have the confidence now where I didn't have that mm-hmm. four or five years ago. And I think I think the work that I've done with the podcast has helped a lot with that. Yeah, um, just being so, just having conversations with people, just really intentional type conversations with people and like really like understanding the things that motivates them and, and understanding like how they struggle as well. And like, Oh, they, I'm not the only one. Yeah. And that keeps you focused, right? At the task at hand. It does. Like it doesn't make me like go into like, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. No, it's okay to feel this way. It's just, you can't let it control you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I think that's been like my biggest win is, um, you know, I used to I used to care a great deal about what other people thought. Yeah, I did know? too. Yeah, and I think most people do. We're a, we're a herd animal. Like mm-hmm. you know, we're uh, we, it's we're a naturally social animal, and by nature we want to be doing what the herd does. Mm-hmm. So when we cast ourselves out of the herd a little bit we become susceptible to becoming attacked mm-hmm. and and sometimes that attacks from within from our own our own self um so i think that's really a hard thing to really be at peace with it, it takes it takes a lot of a lot of work to get there and i'm there like i'm fine with who i am now yeah. you know i'm happy that i i'm happy with the kind of cows that i raise they're they're different than the kind of cows you raise mm-hmm. um but they're they're my cows you know yeah, like they're everybody what's it uh the, the, the biggest, like, one of the things, I think it's uh, Brian says this, Brian Alexander, where he talks about uh, everybody has their own context. Yep. Even us. Yeah, that's a soil health principle. So yeah, right. It's the context. Yep, context. And that's probably, that was actually one thing that I wrote down to talk with you about is context, you know, and... Yeah, it's different for us all. Mm-hmm. We're totally, everybody, no matter, even if you and I were running the same exact kind of cattle 15 miles from one another, yep. we have totally different situations. Mm-hmm. And we, and that's like, and I'm so, like, I didn't realize context was number, I knew it was part of the of six principles, but I didn't realize it was number one. Yeah. You know, because, but it is. I mean, that's very important to, for, to realize because, I can't look at what you do or I can't look at what my neighbor yeah. right next to me does, who I admire a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he, I think he's wonderful. Like, and he helps me out so much. Um, I can't look at what he does and it being different than what I do and feel bad about myself. Yeah. Because I, this, the context is just totally different, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you, and you can't, the only person you can really compare yourself to is the person you were in the past or the operation that you had in the past, where you've improved or what you've changed. That's mm-hmm. the only thing you can really compare yourself to, to and, and it be healthy. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I haven't thought about it that way, but. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it, because we we spend so much time comparing ourselves to people, and it's just such a futile, yeah, type of thing. Like it, you know, I, I got I got another buddy. He's a contractor. Um, they're doing all the things. His wife runs a full time business, and you know they're doing very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got four girls, you know, so they got four kids, and they got four girls, so. Uh, Right off the bat, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't <laughs> change spots with him, um, you know. So, but you know, change that to us where we're a single income family, yeah. And you know, my wife stays home with her. You know, she has her yoga business, but it's it 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 does exactly what it needs for her to do. You know, yeah. it's not a and we have she is a very peaceful woman, and I'm very thankful for that because I'm not a naturally peaceful person i I like almost desire conflict, uh which is weird yeah. right like I can't believe like I'm even saying that, but I've really learned that about myself is that like i I desire some sort of conflict and not just conflict but like excitability mm-hmm. um I always want to keep things interesting and uh 
she uh, she's very peaceful and and that's another thing I'll talk about too is is her effect on things um now did your wife grow up in agriculture at all not really I mean she grew up um, with cows around okay. but like did she want to be a farmer when I met her no, no. she okay. wanted to move to the city okay and vacation to florida okay okay so you're in a very similar situation to me because carrie she grew up rurally and her mom had like some her mom would have like a dairy goat or milk cow or something Mm -hmm. yeah nothing nothing of any significance but that's a really valuable thing to 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 really like kind of valuable thing and i i think her her being so out of what the traditional loop is mm-hmm. has, was really integral into me becoming uh becoming different yeah into a paradigm shifting i think so her grandpa that ran the cows there was you know pretty conventional german you know sure set in the ways right. type you know um we partnered on some cows got along great right and he was a great stockman great herdsman um, where it what was different was my parents and my brothers had, you know, ze- you know, my p- dad wasn't a farmer, didn't have cows. It was my grandpa. So, and he was a school teacher in St. Louis. So his mindset of cows was kind of the lower input style. What switched it was when we moved to Wyoming, right? Mm. And I became around this. 350 cow calf ranch and a 600 inches of snowfall right oh wow so heavy hay heavy you know product you know input production right and then coupling that with going to mizzou right plug and play Mm. numbers on feed rations plug and play weaning weights you know you could enter 1500 pound cow bred to this bull and you know you would see that you'd get an 800 pound calf you know but what they didn't tell me is like there wasn't a spot for me to in, input uh, to enter the input numbers right. right and the cost of production what it actually cost to feed that ration yeah. yeah so I came back basically telling my grandpa right we needed to switch everything right he was doing it wrong his little beefalo herd that uh, was grazing with no shots and no creep feed you know and he would sell a couple bulls to other beefalo producers and sell up maybe a female or two, you know, that was wrong, right? That was like the <laughs> You're big... You're the one coming home from Wyoming and Mizzou, and you yeah. got all the answers. Yeah, and I, yeah. Know, I know what's right, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, one the biggest regret, right? Looking back on sure. it, right? Yeah. I should have been building off of that. Maybe not with Beefalo or maybe with Beefalo, but, I, you know, he sold a few beeves, uh he sold, you know, couple, you know, breeding stock and cap steers and but it was all like what I'm doing now. So like I went full circle. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, yeah. I think I went that way too. I was really interested in getting into some obscure breeds like hope like getting one thing I was wanting to do was get into blonde aquitaine cattle they're the third biggest cow in france really i've never even heard of them so, you know it's 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 charlene limousine first and second and then blonde doc it's a they're a beautiful cow but they also like weigh about 1700 pounds i mean they're <laughs> monsters you know and they don't breed 
like at all. Like I kept a couple of heifers from them. They never bred. Like it's just hilarious. Like the like that's what I wanted to do. And like how far I've come back away yeah. from that. Like my set of like I this is the probably the smallest set of heifers I had just calved out I've ever had. Well, not the ones that are calving now. They're they were bigger when I bought them, so they're bigger. Uh, but these set of cows now, or the set of heifers I just calved this past spring, mm-hmm. I mean, I bet there wasn't a one of them that weighed over 700 pounds. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, because they weaned 400-some pound calves. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's it's okay. Yeah, and it's okay to switch ideas. You know, so many sure. people think, well, we always did it this way. We have to do it. Oh, you know? they get so ground in that paradigm. Yeah. And then just the the thought of switching or the fear of what people are going to think when they start thinking differently. I mean, that's that's terribly detrimental to your business, right? Did you ever see Field of Dreams, the movie? No. No. Okay. Well, it's just, I don't know why it just popped into my brain, but like he was thinking, so in the movie, you know, the, the ghost tells him to come back and plow over his corn and build this baseball field mm-hmm. and the whole deal and... um the whole time everybody's telling him he's crazy and, you know, but at the end it seems it turns to work out for him because these ghosts come back and they play baseball there and people actually, it turns into a tourist attraction and it turns out to be money. But the whole time, if he would have ever listened to one of these people who told him he was a crazy mm-hmm. sucker for, for plowing over his corn, yeah, he wouldn't have had this extreme experience and and it be in it even become a pro, not only enjoyable but profitable for him you know and that's i think that's a really important lesson that we can learn in in, in whatever we do is that it doesn't matter like if you enjoy it if you really like it mm-hmm. if it brings you happiness and makes you money doesn't matter a whole amount of anything what anybody else thinks about it yeah you know and that's it that's been a huge lesson that i've and again like i'm married to someone who doesn't care what other people think mm-hmm. which is a blessing yeah and she's made me see that way like she's so like carrie's been just such a blessing in my life in so many ways that um i i don't know like I don't know if I would be doing things this way if it wasn't for her. Yeah. I, I, as simple as that. Like, And it's another thing Val kind of talked about, about having someone who came with a no certain paradigm is like you get these two people, these two couples, or these two, um, a girl and a boy go to these land-grant universities and they study agriculture or animal science and then they come home and they both do things the way their dads and moms did them and, you know, the, the cycle gets perpetuated. But yeah. you, you throw somebody into this mix that who's never done it before and she starts asking that dreaded question of why. Yeah. And it, it changes a few things. Yeah, and I get kind of caught up. I like to ask the questions like, why are you doing this way? But I also get caught up with, with, you know, it just seems so like what I'm doing seems like the right way, right? So I guess basically I circle back to like what conventional people do to me or, you know, what they seem to be doing. So like I can, I can see where I get caught up. And I do struggle with with that and trying to maybe not force my ideas, but, you know, my way or the highway or, you know, like what I'm doing is was right. And that's a personal thing I have. Yeah, no, 100 um, percent. Uh, one thing. Let's see. 
um, I like to talk about is unfair advantages. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, I think one of them, if you don't mind me answering the question for you, I think one of them is your podcast, right? And keeping you focused on the task at hand. Oh, you know, uh, you talk about like this podcast being a, you know, kind of a, a write off for you and a continuing education. That's how I feel about mine Mm -hmm. because it's a continuing education on both uh, both the medical side and the and and the cattle side like um i have a i have a mind i have created a mindset within myself that not a lot of people have and i'm i'm very thankful for that i um i look at the world very differently and then then most people do and um i find that that is very helpful you know and there's there's a number of things like i'm second i i'm second generation on a place um but like it's almost like i'm third because i'm so much younger than the rest (laughs) of my family um but my dad you know my dad was born in poverty Mm -hmm. like i mean super poor my dad was a my grandpa was a uh, sharecropper and cotton sharecropper down in the boot heel and then they moved up here oh really yeah when my dad was when my my grandpa was in the uh uh, Navy in, in during World War Two, and they moved. They were in Carothersville, which is the most southern the the most southern town in Missouri. It's right at the end of the boot heel, right where Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri all meet. So uh, that's where that's where my dad lived until he was age eleven, and then they moved up here. And you know they they struggled, right? I mean it was post depression, post war. Mm-hmm. Uh, rural America. I mean, it wasn't the most prosperous place at the time, but you know, my dad was an incredible worker. He, uh, he worked at a shoe factory and, um, but then he also ran cattle on the side and, you know, just built up these businesses from the, from nothing, right? Like, you know, the typical American dream. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he went from that to, you know, he, uh, at a time he had a, over a thousand head of mama cows and, uh, he ran sale barn and, you know, had 3000 some acres, you know, it was a, he had a, it went, yeah. it was a big change, you know? So yeah, that's that, crazy. That competitive advantage is, is that I have a lot, we have a lot of land to work with, but we also have another a separate mindset that like, we don't, we don't forget where, where it was, you know, mm-hmm. we don't forget where, where my dad started, yeah. you know? And I, I, I'm very thankful in that, I had a dad that was both a dad and a grandpa to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I never had a grandpa. Mm. My grandpas were both dead before I, before I was even born. So, um, you know, so I, I've never had a real grandpa, uh, but I had, my dad was kind of that too. And the fact that he was, you know, my, he was main person in charge of me, you know, well, obviously my mom too. Um, but like, he also provided, you know, that nostalgia and like, this is the way it used to be son, you know, yeah. type of type of thing that, um, you know, that uh, I, I had that in, I had that right there at home with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and again, the land is a competitive advantage, no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about that being one of yours, you know, that, it, that's a huge part of mine. I have a lot, I can leave myself a big room for error. Um, and also another big competitive advantage is I have a really, really good town job, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of like a scoff sometimes like, oh, you have the town job, but, um, I use it as an I use it as not a crutch, but as an opportunity to take risks. 
Yeah. In because I it, don't get me wrong, the, the, it's it's a business. The cattle operation yeah. is a business. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, just like any business, I want it to make money, and I want it to. I want it to sustain not only itself, but everything around it. And uh, the fact that I don't have to rely on it for my primary source of income allows me to take certain risks with it that can fall flat on their face or they can work out marvelously. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, probably more of them have fallen flat than, uh, you know, like going back to the register count thing. But I mean, but still I found that out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I found it out pretty early in the game that that's not what I wanted to do. So I, it's given me the opportunity to explore. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, and that's not one. I mean, I haven't been doing too many podcasts, but sure. one can, advantage I didn't really think about was the town job. Yeah, it's a huge one. Like, and I have a good town job. Like, I, you know, we always uh, hear a lot of, um, a lot of like ag podcasts, especially podcast centered around cattle that uh or just livestock in general that like oh your main job or your main objective is to farm full-time and i would love that right Mm -hmm. but like i have a job that's so good that i yeah i don't need i I work 7 to 3 30 monday through friday at a pharmacy Mm -hmm. i i don't need to like i don't need to give that up like i'm i'm fine with it like Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like it's almost as a pharmacist i'm almost like it's almost embarrassing to like even say, cause there's like these people working at Walgreens that hate their jobs. And even though they're making good money, they hate mm-hmm. their jobs because they have to deal with people who suck. And, uh, they have to feel, feel like 500, 600, thousand scripts a day where I'm feeling like 200 and <laughs> loving my life. You know, yeah. like my clientele is all healthcare professionals because I, I, I work at the employee pharmacy. So mm. like people that come in are f- health, you know, they're doctors, nurses, you know, people that work in healthcare. So like, it's, it's yeah. a pretty good gig. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. my brother-in-law is, uh, the pharmacist at Cuba, Walmart. Oh, okay. He's the lead, yeah. I guess it's the head pharmacist. Yeah. Pick the pharmacist in charge. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, just to hear him talk, I think that that's like the smallest Walmart in the state, yep. but, but they moved the most prescriptions out of, Sullivan, Owensville, Union, Washington, like the most prescriptions go through there. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want his job. No, <laughs> I wouldn't like that was always, and you know, want to know the sad part of the big three around here. That's Walgreens, CVS and Walmart. Mm-hmm. Walmart is by far the best one to work for. Really? Yeah. Walgreens and CVS are the devil, man. They're there. There's every, they're everything that's wrong with big corporate, uh, you know, corporate greed and just really? taking advantage of people. Yeah, they're bad. I did not know. That. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Um, another thing I want to talk about, my transitions aren't very You're fine. Very good. You're fine. Um, but like some of the wrecks you've had as uh, far as I don't like maybe as you transition into uh I had a wreck this year. Yeah. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, our you could look at it as a wreck. I choose not to. Yeah, there. Are, I look at them as learning experiences. You know, yeah. It's it was, a, but it and it actually turned out to be profitable to me. So every year I have one farm, and that's the farm where I I just did my equip project, mm-hmm. and I just uh, you know I just um, oh, I 
that's where I really try out things. Yeah. And so this is where I, after I wean my heifers, I get them full on weaned. I, I fence line wean at home. Yep. And then I take them over there after they're completely weaned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just install, well, I hadn't, ins- I hadn't done the fence yet this year. Um, this is, is going to be the, I just got it in. I put it in over the fall after I got rid of these heifers. Um, so I take all the heifers over there and everything gets a chance to breed. Right. Yep. I, I turn out, turn a bull out with them. I give them salt and mineral few cubes here and there just to keep them gentle yep. um and then uh they they don't get babied you know um do you do anything like pelvic measure anything no. like that no okay you no. just let the bull decide the bull who's decide. Got, who's ready to breed and who's yep. not i let the bull and mother nature decide i don't do pelvic measurements i've only had that be a bad deal once yep. i only had to do we only had to do one cesarean in the middle of the night and that was one more than I ever want to do again. Yeah, but <laughs> we just one uh, my old job uh, this spring. I saw my first one. Uh, I think she. I quit before uh, uh, weaning. She did not rebreed, but she did bring a calf to wean. No, I mean, I don't know how anything would rebreed after no, a no way, no way, section, no. no way. But uh, so. I take all those heifers over and I just turn a bull out 60 days. I usually get about anywhere between 55 to 60% breed up. Yep. Which a lot of people say is not good. Most people say it's not good, but, but you and I know differently. Yeah. As far because how many of those people that say they get 85, 90% breed up, how many of those are propped up? Yep. None of these girls are propped up. Yep. And that's key. Yes. This year, mm-hmm. just give me a guess what you think. Uh, so it was a uh, spring breeding, spring breeding, and it was got dry, got real dry. I don't know. Was it 40, 43? I wish. Really? It was 10%. 10%. I had 30 heifers. Is that right? No, 10% is not, but it was like 15%. 15. 10. I had, I had 30 heifers, four of them bred. Holy cow. And I'm pretty sure I saw one of them. Sometimes they'll have like a false heat after. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's not what this. I hope that's what this was. You know, because I saw a bull. You know, I had all my bread cows the bulls were in with. Mm -hmm. um, And so he was kind of chasing her. But I'm hoping it was just kind of a false heat because I saw her the next day and she wasn't. And I saw her the day before and she wasn't, you know. So. But anyway, yeah. That's my biggest right. But. I took those heifers to the sale barn mm-hmm. and brought $1,000 a piece. Yep. As six weights. I'm okay with that. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, I mean, it is a wreck. Like in my original plan of to have all these heifers calve next year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wreck. Um, and what, so those were heifers that you raised. I raised. Out of what size cow? Uh, so a lot of them were your, no, no, they're not your 1500 pound cow, but they're bigger. I'd say they were anywhere from in between a thousand to 1200. Oh, okay. So, I mean, not small cows, but not monsters, not, not huge cows either. Yeah. Like a thousand, 12. I mean, that's a nice cow. That's that's my ideal cow. A half their body weight. They're doing okay. As a replacement heifer, right? Yeah. 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 I was going to say sometimes... What I've noticed is as we try to push the envelope on shrinking our cow size, 
um, on those bigger cows, the 1,300-pound cows, and if their heifer's going to be breeding age and, you know, only weighs five, you know, just all together she isn't. She's, she's not ready. She's not ready. Yeah. Right? And so. And Mother Nature told us that she wasn't ready. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I was just curious about the cows. Yeah, size. so they were, she wasn't. You know what? Probably some of those cows probably were a little bit over that twelve hundred pounds, so that probably could have played into it. And it was just a terrible year. Yeah, and uh, it was, but it started to shine through with our breeding this year. We actually mm. bred up better than I think we got forty three uh, bred heifers. You know, and, great. Um, and so it's, I mean, but yeah, my breeding percents, you know, 75%. Wow. Maybe, across the board. That's good though. Really? I mean. to When you look at the cow herd, right? And when you well, look, when you at look what into what you would put in, like as far as inputs into it. Yeah. And yeah, that's, and that's been our, probably our better, but our best one. I mean, normally, you know, we're 60, 66%, you know, breeding percentage, but. And then you tur- but then you turn over everything that doesn't breed. Yeah, then everything you know has goes somewhere. Um, whether we're going to, uh, in the past, you know, some of those would f- roll to a fall herd to be value added selling mm. breads. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we decided not to because I do struggle to sell once I do get them bred. Yeah, so right. I struggle. I, to I sell struggle the value added. Yeah, I I'm the same way because like. She's just going to have a calf in a couple months. You know, yeah. I may as well keep her. I, that's a huge struggle for me. And we do have an inventory sheet now that has allowed me to see. And so, like, I was going through my numbers, uh, tau, cow tag numbers, and I was noticing as I was plugging in dams into some of the daughters, you know, like, well, that cow rolled. Her calf came up open. I had to calf for two years, you know, the cows. So I'm starting to see all these second chance cows are, have produced these things that are, these st- other that are still falling out, st- producing problems. So she needs to go. She's the problem. Yeah. 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 But then I can make decisions down the road. Like, okay, that's where we decided, well, we're not going to roll anything because we don't want to sell a problem down the road to somebody else. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So that's, Yeah. So do you use a software or uh, Excel sheet? Okay. So it's something you've built yourself. Yeah. And then my brother has, uh, he's an accountant CPA, so he knows how to play with Excel. So then I send it over to him and he's got some sort of formula so I can go to another page. I can put an ear tag number in and it'll tell me what, I, if like on a tr- bought cow, it'll tell me what I bought her for, what I you know, what I would need to sell her for if I wanted to make a certain dollar amount, or it'll tell me what I made on her or lost on her by putting the dollar amount I sold to her. Very interesting. That's really interesting. And then... Now, do you tag... Sorry, go ahead. And then we it kind of has like some plug and play input numbers we can adjust accordingly. I gotcha. And so as we get better at numbers, because that's, I mean, sales, marketing, numbers. Those are the things I'm worst at. Yeah. Those are the things I put off. I think most people are. Yeah. yeah. And it's the things I need, I'm trying, working on being more intentional about. Because I think, as from a business standpoint, that's where, I know, from a business standpoint, that's how you make money. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Um, 
So do you tag all your calves as they're born? Um, or do yeah, you wait they, you so do- we do because I run in shares. So like my dad mm. has some cows out there and then I and my wife have some cows and then we have like backgrounders and stuff. So just to kind of keep them I straight. See. Okay. Uh, every cow that comes in gets a permanent ID tag. Um, and then once we wean a calf, so when a calf's born, we'll give them a tag to match their mom. Okay. And then that way, once we wean, we'll, when we do like our weaning shots, we'll cut out that ear tag and then they'll get their permanent ID. But then that way we can plug in to, you know, we can say, okay, 245, she's now, uh, you know, 371. Right. Mm. And then so I can go to my sheet, update those numbers and put a dam with it so we can see what as we try to def- develop a breed, it seems like. Uh, yeah. Or develop a system that works. Sure. That's where I've really struggled lately is is keeping tracks of who's belongs to who. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm having a really hard time building a breed, as you say, or a system because. Um, I don't, I had, you, you know, this whole conversation started about talking about wrecks. One of the biggest wrecks I've ever had was an individual incident where I, I used, I used to hook all my calves and, and tag them right there by the side of the truck or side by side or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were over at that farm where I talked about, we were actually living with my mom at the time because we were remodeling our house and, um, it was, you know, that was always a big break away from my mom and dad, you know, yeah. we love my mom and dad, but nobody wants to go back and live with their mom and dad when they're married and have four kids. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so that was a big break for us was to be able to go over to that, that place over there. That's that buying that, having that farm over there has just really been a peaceful thing for me. Um, but that day it was not peaceful. Uh, they were on the back of the kids were on the back of the flatbed truck. And I poked this calf to, to tag him and his, this mom, she, she had no bluff in her. Yeah. She hit me and I went, just flying and me who's hard-headed and can't seem to take a hand at anything I thought she won't get me a second time (laughs) not only she get me a second time she didn't wait for me to get up the second time got me the third time I mean she rolled she hit me around that field like I was a pinball I mean hurt me bad hurt my knee really bad and uh ever since that day yeah I don't I don't guess if a cow's I'd say 90% of my cows don't have that. Now, that cow's gone mm-hmm. now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the second, the, when she did that, she was, she was toast. Yeah. You know? Um, so, because what if it's, what if it was a kid not even tagged? Oh. It, you know what I yeah. mean? It would have hurt them way worse than it hurt me. Yeah. You know? And that, that, and again, that's another thing that's really changed the way I, I look at things. We, we're a family operation. I don't. I, I have one hired person, but they don't help with the cattle. They do just work around, you know, like mm-hmm. fence line trimming and that sort of stuff. Um, but it's it's me and the kids, yeah. you know, and, and Carrie. And, like, I don't need something out there that's going to hurt people. Yeah, and one thing uh, that you bring that up, like, as people start implementing polywire, right, if a cow's going to do that, you've got to <laughs> constantly be watching with her because if you're just – clicking along rolling up a strip for strip grazing and that calf's laying there and you don't pay pay any attention that cow is going to be right behind you i'll never forget one time i was i think i was giving a calf a shot and 
this was at my home farm. This is on a completely different set of cows. And this cow was not, this was a cow that I considered a pet cow, a mm-hmm. gentle cow, but she had a calf at the time. And I think I was given a, not even her calf a shot. And she just kind of heard the ruckus, you yeah. know, and she came over. I wasn't looking, had my back. She hit me in the back and I went flying up and hit the ground. Oh man, that hurt. So, uh, I, I'm really, I, again, disposition is a huge thing that we select for. Now. Yeah. I mean, we do proceed with caution. I mean, as of you course. saw with our cows, most of them have horns. Right. Um, so, I mean, I've got an idea of which ones we don't tag. Right. We'll sure. We'll catch them on a different. We'll catch them. Most of ours come out enough with enough different colors on them that, you know, we'll just jot down in the book uh, what they are and, and and proceed that way. So, like, if for some reason, if one of one of my cows and one of the partner's cows look exactly the same. Mm. Would they be potentially messed up? Maybe, but chances are, I mean, uh, what's one herd? We're always walking through a corral to sort off finishers for our meat business, so we'll just catch the calves when we get to a corral. So it's an, And then just jot down the ear tag right. if we don't know. Right, yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, as far as, I think another competitive advantage that I I see you having and that I will have once I have more of these uh, multi-padded systems in place is the fact that you don't have to go looking for your cows. Yeah. Go looking for your cows that are calving. That's always been a, that's another thing, like, because it takes time, right? Yep taking and how valuable is time man yeah like so valuable and like being able to know where your cows are or where they should be at mm-hmm. least you know um that's a that's a huge thing yeah you'll say that and then when you try to move that like try to move that mob when uh we got like 15 calves in one day you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah 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 right sure that sure. can be something else but we've been working on a breeding mothering ability right so mm-hmm. We want a cow that can calves. When we open that gate, she either has to stay with that calf and move it or or move it when the mob moves. And uh, chances are if the cow walks off with the calf, without the calf, and we try to catch it up, you know, whether it's picking it up, chances of that calf getting sick are pretty high. Pretty high. And then – you know, sometimes they, they don't make it, right? right? Well, that cow just... Just just cost yourself. Yep, just spot. signed her ticket. Yep. yep. And so as we're... As it should be. Yeah. So as we kind of move on uh, and proceed with that kind of mentality, it seems like our mothering ability and just overall herd seems to be getting better. More fertile and, uh, you know, better mothers. Well, let me ask you a question. What... Um, I had it and I lost it. Uh, emotional attachment. Do mm-hmm. you find yourself having any to to some of these cows? Like, there's some that come through the come through the preg shoot, and you're it kind of wins. Like, man, I hope she's pregnant. Uh, there's a few like that that I hope they're pregnant. Yes, but you don't. Ho- um, I've got one cow. The last cow I bought from my grandpa. I sure. got it. Gotcha. Uh, I did ask everybody there what they would do like while we were working with it's like okay the last cow from my grandpa she's open what do i do and like 
everybody said just keep her. So like I kept her, but yeah, yeah. I mean I I saw some that came through that I was hoping that are, but yeah, I mean, but but if they're not, it's okay. I think it's okay to have a few of those emotional subsidies. Yeah, like, it's so o- it's they're okay. there, but like at the same time, I know that our herd's gonna be stronger because because we get rid of them. Yes, yeah, and it, so like from a whole farm picture, you know, like the farm going on is more important than the one cow that gets to stay for another year. So that brings up another question that I have for you, and that's something I was gonna. Do you call yourself a farm? Versus a ranch because, or do you? Yeah, I we say farm. Uh, out west, it was ranch, right? And when we're talking to people from out west, ask me how the ranch is. But we've always, call, you know, we always went to my grandpa's farm. You know, we never said my grandpa's ranch. Yeah, isn't it funny? Because I mean, what we really are is ranchers. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? like. I think ranchers cooler than farmers. I totally agree. And, like I'd rather be a cowboy than a, <laughs> than than a, a farmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. And uh, but I still struggle. Like it's still easy. It's way too easy. And I think it's just so much a part of our Missouri vernacular that yeah. we call it a farm. Yeah, like I don't. Are there any ranches in? Like, does there anybody that says like ranch? I don't know. But you see a lot of farm, you know. There's a lot of farms, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of people wearing cowboy hats around farms. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, I, I don't know. I think it's a geography thing, though, really. I, yeah, I, and I don't know where. I guess it starts once you cross over the Kansas. I think it's it's, a, it's uh, like what well, Clay always said. It was the 100th Meridian. I'm bad with I don't have any idea where that is. <laughs> About there. Okay. About like once you hit the Flint, like you gotta go. Once you hit the Flint Hills, everything past that seems to be. A and ranch. that's give or take. Like that's on the other side of Kansas City, right? Yeah. And like Highway Thirty Five. You and my wife would get along well. Really? Yeah, she's terrible. <laughs> she's like, so her mom and dad lived out in Utah for uh-huh. a little bit, and she didn't realize that she had to drive through Colorado to get to Utah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I love directions, but I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> the meridians. Yeah, well, I just heard, I, I don't know if I would have known that, but I did hear, I did, I've heard multiple people say that, um, that it's the, the 100th meridian is where it where changes. Farmers become farmers ranchers. Farmers become ranchers. Because, because even if, and I was talking when I was on Brian's podcast, we were talking about this very same thing, and he's like, even when you go out into, like, when you get into California, then Everything's a ranch. Really? He said he bought strawberries from a strawberry ranch. Really? I like that. Which is, yeah, I, I think so, too. A strawberry rancher? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess I, I'd like it to be a ranch, but. Yeah, I it's would just say so easy. For it, some reason, I always associate it as a I, this, I, I It is a ranch, and I try to call myself a rancher. And because, like. I think it's the, I think it's the context that goes with farmer. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong, but like I don't want to be, I, I I just don't feel like I should be lumped in with somebody who, like, it, all they do is grow monocrops. Yeah. And in in a row, you know, like I I just don't feel like what we we yeah. us being called the same thing is correct. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I don't. I'm more. I feel like I'm more of a rancher than a farmer. Yeah. Same. I do too, um, but it is. I think it's just a geography thing. And I take that back. Uh, Bob and Ann Demarath, they also call it's Fifty Five Cattle Company Clear Springs Ranch. Clear Springs Ranch. Yep. yep. So they, they are. Should, a ranch. But they're from Nebraska. Oh, 
So that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> they just, yeah. Yeah. So Fair we're. Enough. It's, it's, you know, and I'm not sure what part, because the, the Hunters Meridian would run, but I think pretty much. So my friend's a vet in Nebraska, and I think everybody up there is a, either a rancher or a farmer. Right. Or a feedlot. Or feedlot. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. No, that's. Uh, I've never thought of, never talked to anybody about it. I do prefer rancher and I, cowboy versus yeah, farmer. I totally agree. Farm. Him, farmer, farm her. Farm her. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you're not. I hope you don't call yourself that. <laughs> uh, nope. But I'm sure there's other people out there that do. They do, yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, what I've got. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, uh, anything, questions you saw? I mean, we went and looked at cows. Yeah, no, I everything. was really, I was just, I was, I think the thing that really impressed me the most is whenever, they heard you and they knew what was coming. They didn't think you had a, they, you don't have a, a cube feeder on the back of your, no uh, of your thing. They knew they were getting moved to new grass. Yeah. And that was, that was impressive. I'll have to say when they saw that that side by side was coming up and they, they were ready to move like that. That's awesome. That's cows doing what the cows are supposed to do. Yeah. And one thing we've, like we enjoy going out and just hanging out with our cows Mm -hmm. and we've got a a turtle box outdoor speaker bluetooth and so we'll take it out there on our four-wheeler you know and they'll all come gather around and listen to music with us or whatever you know awesome (laughs) that's great and uh we were it was thanksgiving and we were just riding around with the speaker and the cows were out here we've got some erosion we were unrolling some bales on our cover crop field and uh we were going down the county road, and I guess they heard the speaker, and they all, all started they, following. Yeah, yeah, they all came to the fence while we were driving down the county road. That's and, great. And uh, so we pulled in, and but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no cubes. We haven't uh, like to call cows into a lot. We haven't used grain in years they just think they're going to different there's think they're going to different grass yeah interesting yep so that's the place where i there that's a goal that would be a great goal for me yeah to to not use it at all even to call one thing if you're going to go that route um when you make your catch for your corrals Make sure you got a big enough grass trap that your herd will fit into. Fit into it because you want, yeah. But then you got to make it, you got to make it big enough for them to hold, so you could catch a straggler or two. And but you also have to make it small, small enough, enough where you can get them into get your corral. Your corrals, yeah. Yep, that's t- that's a fine line. Yeah. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, tell us where we can. Yeah. Find well, you. I don't even know if, I, and I'm so bad at marketing. Uh, I don't even think I said the name of the podcast. Name a podcast. I don't even know if you said your first name when we started either. Didn't Jason? Dearly, I'm Jason. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Meadows. That's me. Uh, podcast is Ag State of Mind. Um, my wife came up with that name. Really, she's really proud of that. That's yeah, her, I like it. There's her contribution. Uh, find me wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, then uh, AgStateOfMind.com is the website. Um, you know, you can find me pretty much all across social media is Ag State of Mind. Yeah, and you do a great job. Um, and one thing, if I can say, like, while when you started your journey versus now, you know, you it, you could really tell where it took like the family orientation and 
I love my family. Yeah. Like, and I don't want it there to ever be any mistake about that. Yeah. You know, some people are like, I don't want to share my kids stuff online. And I, I appreciate that. I Mm -hmm. really do. And there's times where I wish I was more like that, but I'm, uh, I, I, um, you know, we had a deal one time where some guys called, they got, we had some show lambs where they, some people called us animal abusers type thing, you know, because we mm-hmm. obviously were getting these lambs and they were going to become meat. And, and I just thought like, you know, they're, they're just like, obviously there it's obvious. No, not just animal abuser, but child abuser. They called <laughs> me and like, you obviously don't know me. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like there's nothing like if you want to call me animal abuser, fine. Like I, that's not yeah. true. But, but, but if you start, if you bring it into family, that's that, you know, yeah. there's nothing that could be further from the truth. And, uh, you know, my family is very important to me and uh, I can't hold them very sacred, but I also, uh, I also want to share that love for them with everybody. And yep. that's, that's why I do the way I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's good. I'm glad, glad to see where you've going, where Thanks, you're coming man. from. Thanks for the support. Yeah. No, thanks for being on. Oh, I enjoyed it. This was awesome. Uh, well, we'll have to do it again. For sure. We Hey, we, we, know, we know how to do it, and we live close. Yeah, sounds good. Well, until next time.